0: This is WFG Insights, your download on the real estate market, featuring industry experts, thought leadership, and what's trending, keeping you informed and ahead of the market. In this episode, WFG founder and executive chairman, Patrick Stone, offers insight, perspective, and a game plan as mortgage interest rates spike to their highest level in a decade. Plus, what title agents and real estate professionals should do in this changing market. And Pat, thanks for joining us. Boy, no shortage of things to talk about once again. As we wrap up the first quarter of 2022, I want you to quickly maybe look back for us and kind of recap it.
1: Well, I think everybody had the same experience in the first quarter, and that is we had a phenomenal slowdown in the refi market, which had been very hot because of low rates We also see some uh, drop in resales, I would guess resales are down 7-8% and I think they'll uh, continue to drop a little bit and probably for the year be down 10-12%. It all depends on how high mortgage rates go or whatever economic disruptions we may have. I am cautiously optimistic that it'll still be a very good year, albeit with significantly less REFI activity. And the refi activity probably for the year will be down 70% or 75% from last year, depending on what market range you operate in and where you're operating. But uh, resales should still occur, and they should still be relatively profitable business.
0: Talk about Q2 here. Now, oftentimes I ask you to look ahead at the year, which... I mean, that's that's a crystal ball kind of a thing at this point, right? Let's talk just the next three months. What's your anticipation of the direction in interest rates, the market, and maybe what should we be planning for?
1: To be honest with you, Brian, it's probably hard to have certitude because of the Ukraine situation. You know, obviously, it gets a lot of attention from the media, and it is a main topic in all news broadcasts and in the paper every day. Uh, where it impacts us is it actually uh, Russia and Ukraine were significant uh, exporters of oil, wheat, soybeans, sunflower oil, a few things like that. Now we did not import, the US did not import that much, but it does impact the world market, especially Europe. So consequently we do get the impact from it from an inflationary point of view because the cost of those items have gone up fairly significantly. Uh, Where it will impact this uh, directly is lower income and uh, lower priced homes. So uh, if you are in the lower half of the income uh, strata, you're much more impacted by energy costs than people in the higher income ranges. Consequently, you will see some immediate impact on the volume on the lower price ranges. Uh, Unfortunately, because of this, the longer it goes, the more impactful that will be. Uh, inflation right now, a 30-year mortgage right now is is dancing right around 5%. And PCE inflation right now, uh, that's personal consumption expenditures, about 5.4% in February. I think the mortgage rate could go up a little bit more. It's not directly tied to what the Fed does with the, the Fed increasing interest rates. But it will probably be impacted if the Fed is very, very aggressive because it does have sort of an emotional emotional impact on mortgage rates. So we'll see what happens there. But I think the second quarter, we'll see a slowdown. It shouldn't be a drastic slowdown, but I do think it'll slow down a little bit in the second quarter. The lower end of the price range will be more impacted than the higher end of the price range.
0: Such a double whammy, isn't it? I mean, you, you know, for the past few years, have had low inventory right and those who did have the opportunity to purchase had extremely low interest rates and now doggone it there's more inventory slowly coming on in in some markets and then interest rates bump up a bit and so it's kind of a wash right i mean and you talk about the emotional piece too which i'm, I'm glad you touch on that because you know when someone at a lower income level maybe still qualifies to buy a home fha or otherwise uh, but they're you know it's 100 bucks to fill up their their truck or whatever right i mean Emotionally, right? Those things they they do impact. Hey, maybe we're not going to buy a home, right? I mean, it it plays in.
1: Well, what it does is it impacts consumer confidence noticeably, yeah. and well, uh, we'll see where it goes. Now, you know, the rate. Uh, a lot of people talk about mortgage rates going up. You I know, mean, give you a little bit of perspective on mortgage rates. Mortgage rates are still historically very low, yeah. and uh, more importantly, price to income ratio right now is probably you know it's probably about right where it was in the early 80s or so but it's below where it was in 2005 to 7 uh on the run-up to the great recession when the bubble burst so price to income is still lower than it was then when we had that tremendous surge in home buying so the prices uh, relative to income are not the problem yet and mortgage rates are not the problem yet inflation on uh, consumer goods is a problem especially in the lower half of the income range because of things like energy
0: yeah no question about that so let's talk more about rates maybe take a deeper dive into mortgage rates you mentioned just a moment ago not tied to what the Fed does and I I'm glad you said that too because so many people see the headline that the Fed is raising interest rates and they automatically think that that means across the board it does not mean mortgage rates are automatically going up a quarter of a point. A lot of people watching this know that, but I think it's so important to reiterate that to the broader audience that they're not tied together. Yeah, there'll be some impact there you know, in longer term rates, but maybe talk about that and, and what you see happening here. And I know a lot of this is going to depend on how much longer this conflict gets drawn out and, and other things that are happening from an economic standpoint.
1: Yeah, you know, the, let's back up a little bit. I think without the Ukraine situation, we were actually going to heal relatively fast uh, from inflation. Uh, inflation was really caused because the pandemic created an imbalance between where money was spent. Much more money was spent on goods because there were no services. Uh, so goods consumption went through the roof, and a lot of the goods we buy are imported, and there were disruptions in the supply chain. So you had this phenomenal demand for goods, and you had a disrupted supply chain, which exacerbated the problem of uh, supply versus demand. And consequently, you had prices, you had an acceleration in inflation. Now, the Fed called it transitory early on because it was a is a very clearly defined problem, and had it been corrected quickly, Uh, the inflation would have been transitory, but it kept going. The pandemic caused it to keep going for almost two years. And I don't think anybody anticipated that when the pandemic started. So I'll give the Fed a, a little bit of a hall pass on calling it transitory after a couple of years it does become somewhat ingrained and it also starts to impact prices of other related issues related items and then if you have items start going up in cost then you raise your prices we see it dramatically in home construction where materials went through the roof in part because of the pandemic in part because labor was not available but also because we were foolish enough to do tariffs and tariffs (laughs) i cannot find historical example of tariffs ever benefiting anybody, but that's probably a separate conversation. So you had the pandemic going on, and and for a couple of years, you got inflation embedded in in the economy, but with the supply chain easing, and it it, it has eased noticeably, even though it's still tight, it has eased about 25 or 30% from where it was late last year. Had it not been for the Ukraine problem, I think we'd be on our way down already on inflation expectations. Right now, uh, most people do expect inflation to abate uh, later in the year. I said earlier that the personal consumption expenditures were about 5.4% in February. Some of the leading economists think they'll be down to four by the end of the year, 2.4 by the end of next year, 2.3 by the end of uh, 2024, and then maybe back to 2. Uh, 2.0, uh in 2025 so it'll take a while to get there but the the, all indications are that the supply chain is easing and that we will see a return to work in a lot of countries so you will see a labor quit being such a big issue the unknown here of course is the ukrainian situation which could uh, could go a lot of different ways none of which are very good
0: yeah yeah, it's interesting uh, with gas in many places across the West. Certainly, the California markets listening to this are going to laugh when I say five dollars a gallon. But uh, <laughs> you know, Idaho, Utah, four and a quarter, four fifty, Oregon, Washington, a little higher than that. California, obviously, a, uh, even an outlier on that.
1: I filled my uh, tank up in uh, in Irvine last week for six dollars and a quarter a uh, gallon.
0: Unreal, unreal. So when you say <laughs> And this is Joe Sixpack listening now. okay? when you say, well, by the end of the year, things will start to kind of cool off a little bit. I mean, people hear that and they want it. You know how people are. They want it like next week or next month, not the end of the year. It's going to be here for a while. Right. I mean, it's only it's only early April. Right. So we've got to kind of get used to this
1: well yeah we are used to it already we don't like it but it's been going on for a while and it will abate but it doesn't just stop we still have to get a lot of people back to work in a lot of different countries china right now is having a horrific problem again with the coronavirus and that's going to impact their ability to ship goods manufacture and ship goods so you still have uh the impact of the pandemic you still have supply chain issues they will abate as the year goes on, knock on wood, that we don't have another version of the virus that causes, a, causes us to go back to a high mortality rate. But as labor, uh, labor issues abate, as supply chain eases, you will see personal consumption expenditures come down. They don't just go back to normal, they never have, uh, but they will come down by the end of the year and then next year be noticeably less. Uh, providing that nothing too traumatic happens with the Ukrainian situation.
0: Yeah. I want to ask you specifically about uh, new construction, and it's good to see more inventory coming online. You mentioned – supply chain issues easing a bit, but now you've got some inflation baked into those costs and maybe that's a wash you you would know better than I would so that's not necessarily the question. it's the timeline here. I've been in two separate uh, Toll brothers neighborhoods, one in Idaho and one in Utah this past weekend and just you know window shopping and talking to people and you got a 16 month delivery timeline now from the time you sign a contract to the time you get your home, 16 months. Pat, a lot can happen. <laughs> in 16 months with interest rates and uh, everything, right? What's the impact of rising rates or unstable rates on you know builders, new construction, selling new construction? What happens in that world when we're in this type of environment?
1: Well, to be real candid with you, rates are not the, haven't been the issue to date and they are not the issue right now. It's supply chain and labor that are the problem. And materials with construction were impacted by tariffs prior to the pandemic. We have uh, lumber tariffs and aluminum tariffs that are idiotic. And pardon me for being so blunt, but they are idiotic, poorly conceived. And who ends up paying for it is the average consumer trying to buy a home. So you will see some of that ease over time. I think labor shortages will abate. And uh, then you also, I think, materials will start to become more available as the pandemic eases. So um, construction times will shorten. But uh, again, the issue is not the rates. We can live with 5% mortgage rates. I mean, you know, my career, uh, I will tell you, 5% is way on the low end. My first management job in this industry, mortgage rates were 16.3% when I took uh, became the president of a title company. I mean, give me a break, 5% is not that bad and price to income ratios are still acceptable. Yes, it'd be nice if it was back, if mortgage rates were back to 4% or even 3.8, but we can live with 5%. What we can't live with, what we can't live with is the impact of the pandemic and uh, shortages of goods and supplies and energy uh, uh, exacerbated by the Ukrainian situation.
0: What's it like, though, for millennials who haven't been in the real estate industry for 40 plus years and they are going from 3 percent to 5 percent and going, wait a minute. I mean, that's it's going to impact buying power. That's that's simple math. Now, right? Only,
1: only, only, you know, listen, uh, again, affordability is a combination of price, interest rates and income. And uh, uh, price to income is still at a level where people will make the decision for the most part to buy a home lower end gets impacted first but that is going to get also impacted by energy costs, and that takes a lot of spendable income uh disposable income out of the hands of millennials now it's important to understand a lot of people don't get this but the millennial generation is the largest population to come into home buyer age we've ever had and they're coming into home buyer age during the shortage of homes Uh, and uh, a very extended period of time for construction of homes. So that's exacerbating the situation. So um, if mortgage rates stayed 5% or less, I'm not overly concerned about it. Yes, I'd like to see them be lower, but we need some certitude about the environment. We need energy prices to come down and we need the uh, construction costs to be maybe a little less but the time to construct to be a lot less because you're not gonna go out there And hang in the wind for 16 months, waiting for a home to be built, especially if the builder won't tie down the price because he isn't sure, he or she isn't sure what it's going to be.
0: Yeah, that is a great point. What advice would you have for title agents, independent title agents, real estate professionals in general, I guess? So kind of a broad question here. Uh, Anybody in real estate right now in the market we're in right now, um, what's your advice to them?
1: Well, you have to be proactive. I mean, you can't sit and wait for something to happen. You're going to have to go out there and out-hustle your competition. From a seasonal point of view, the volume of transactions has declined. And it's not horrible yet. If you're in the title business, you're being impacted more by the lack of refinances than you are if you're in the real estate business. So realtors, there's a lot of realtors chasing maybe a few less deals, uh, maybe seven to 10% less transactions. And we have a tremendous amount of licensed realtors in the market. If you're a title agent, there's a lot of title people out there chasing significantly less transaction because refis are down probably 70%. So what you need to do is you need to be really conscious about who you are talking to. You need to amp up your activity level. You need to be real focused on who you're talking to and you need to present yourself so that you convey confidence that you can help people uh, execute on their transactions and that you will be there and that you will communicate uh, in a very open and consistent manner with them uh, you know I was just I just got off a call with a lot of our agency sales staff and they read a book and the book was all about you know this people don't remember what necessarily what you say but they remember your attitude. And that's a real important lesson. So be confident, be positive, and be about being a part of your client's process. You know, we do not create demand for our product. I tell my people this all the time. You do not create demand for your product. You service that demand by being a part of your client's process and making that process work better. So your goal is to help your clients get what they're doing done more efficiently and quicker, and with more communication and less uncertainty. So be real positive, be focused on helping your clients, and increase your activity level 25% minimum.
0: Good advice. Uh, I want to talk to you about Spark in Orlando. I know you've been on the road quite a bit, Texas, Florida, California, all across the country. Uh, How'd Spark go? I heard it was a big success.
1: Brian, it was the best event I have ever attended in 47 years in the title business. Wow. I was absolutely stunned uh, at the level of interest and participation by the attendees. Uh, and that that amped up the people doing presentations. That got them excited and they really engaged and communicated with their audience. And Spark is about sales and technology. And I, and I just got done saying, you gotta increase your activity by 25%. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will say, oh yeah, right, Pat, I don't have 25% more hours in the day learn how to use technology and social media to stay in touch with people, give people good information about areas that they're interested in or working in, help them be more knowledgeable and cognizant of what they can accomplish. And Spark's really about that, about being able to magnify your presence and the amount of time you have by using technology and sales techniques that are more impactful and and, uh, resonate more clearly with your clientele.
0: Now, this was the first event back from uh, the pandemic. So I know people were probably excited to see each other, right?
1: There was a lot of that. I mean, the the social hour, you know, typically at industry events, you have a dinner, you have a a reception, and then everybody goes away to dinner, right? The social events went on to 11.30 or 12 at night. I mean, the poor hotel couldn't shut, couldn't (laughs) shut anything down. People kept talking and interacting, and it was wonderful. It really was. It was great to see people, great to be around uh, our fellow associates.
0: That's great to hear. And I understand that uh, instead of this just being an annual event, you're going to kind of branch these out into regional events as well, right?
1: Well, yeah, we have done a couple in the past with some success. But what we're really doing here is we're helping, and this goes back to your earlier question for title agents, what, what do you do in this kind of market? We want to help people be successful. If you're an agent of WFG, we want you to be successful because if you make more money, we make more money. And I, I get to keep like uh, people always tell me, don't be so crude, Pat. But why not? I mean, I'm being straight up with you. We want you as a title agent to make more money, and be more successful. And the way we can help you do that is by sharing technology and sales techniques that have been proven to be or have been proven successful and have helped people uh, do more business. So that's what we're about. We're going to have regional spark events to do that.
0: Yeah. I like what you said too, back to, you know, 25% more, you know, effort, ramp it up. Right. And, you know, you go through these cycles, anybody who's been in around real estate for any length of time, even five or 10 years, knows that, you know, there are those ebbs and flows and, you know, it's, I guess it's that saying and it's a cliche but it's true, you know, you're on top of the mountain throw dirt in the valley, right? And keep, you know, <laughs> even things out, right? Keep it keep it going and have that reserve uh cuz you know, you really especially for the the mortgage lenders right now having been on that side of the business, it can be quite a shock if you're not prepared for that shift in the market when, you know, you know that that day is coming when the rates go up or when you've tapped out all those refis and doggone it, if you haven't built relationships or spent time uh, on that side of the business, the purchase side, it's going to be a tough go.
1: Absolutely. One thing I would add to that is that uh, because of the extraordinary volumes we've witnessed for the last couple of years, people have not focused on efficiency or automation to make their processes work better and, yep. less, and make them less expensive. Uh, in addition to working harder and being a part of your client's process and making sure you're you're emanating a positive attitude, I would also suggest taking a hard look at how you operate and to see if there's anything you can do to use technology to make you more efficient. And lenders are really going through that process right now because a lot of mortgage lenders are basically break even or losing money right now, and uh, they have to they have to reexamine what they're doing. And we're actually having conversations with lenders now about how we relate to each other and how we, how do we exchange data more efficiently instead of both rekeying everything all the time. So I think people are more open right now to having a conversation about what can you do to help me and what can I do to help you and how can we work together in a more efficient manner. And it's gonna have to happen because a lot of people will not make money at the current levels in the current business mix.
0: Well, Pat, as always, great insight, interesting times. Thanks for joining us.
1: Oh, my pleasure, and I wish everybody the best.
0: Thanks to WFG founder and executive chairman Patrick Stone for joining us. And thank you for partnering with WFG.